From the capital city, I'm Jordan Lewis. Mushers encounter a multitude of variables in the Iditarod Trail sled dog race across Alaska. This year, that includes high heat. Mushers are contending with unseasonably warm temperatures because of a high-pressure system that is bringing warmer-than-normal temperatures. In an interview with the Associated Press, NOAA Alaska Region Climate Scientist Brian Brett Schneider says the Iditarod race season is shifting. We're hanging in there as far as our snowfall totals, but what we're seeing is the snow season squeezed. So we're seeing the snow arrive later in the fall, and we're seeing it melt earlier in the, in the spring. He says big weather swings are now normal. That's been driven by um, a huge area of high pressure in the, really in all parts of the atmosphere, but, but notably in the upper atmosphere. Uh, that's driven temperatures at elevation above freezing uh, through much of the state. Alaska was hit with a warm spell. The whole area is warming, and, and that, that's true of, of the Iditarod route and, and, and the entire state. I mean, and frankly, the entire globe. You know, weather kind of uh, runs on top of the climate, and so you could have a lot of, you know, day-to-day variability. This audio was provided by the Associated Press. Alaskans traveling in the Northern Loon Canal could see more frequent sailings if evaluations show that building an Alaska Marine Highway Ferry Terminal at Cascade Point is feasible. The Alaska Department of Transportation and Public Facilities, as well as Gold Belt Inc., signed an agreement yesterday with Governor Dunleavy on the MV Teslina. The agreement is to work cooperatively on feasibility studies, engineering evaluations, cost estimates, and environmental permitting for the potential site. Alaska Department of Transportation and Public Facilities Commissioner Ryan Anderson gives more insight to the project. Now for those of you that don't know, Cascade Point is about 30 miles north of here at the end of the Glacier Highway. Uh, It's a location that a gold belt owns the land and the state has been looking at what the possibilities are there for a ferry terminal. Uh, It it shortens the connection between Haynes and Skagway, uh, providing us more opportunities for increased service. Representative Kevin McCabe, chairman of the House Transportation Committee, spoke in support of the Cascade Point Ferry Terminal. I just wanted to say I also sit on the Resources Committee. I think transportation is key to resources. There's no possible way to develop our resources without transportation. And frankly, this savings of two hours of transportation time on the ferry system by adding 30 miles of drive time to get to a, to a new port will be key. Tony Antiquoia, chairman of the Gold Belt Board, states that this is a powerful use of their land. What is the potential for our future? Our, our ancestors, our aunties and uncles, our grandmothers and grandfathers uh, visioned an extremely bright future for, uh, for our shareholders and for our communities. And what they dedicated uh, their time and effort towards was exactly what we're here celebrating today. This is a, uh, a moment, a culmination of all of that effort. And Governor Mike Dunleavy says he's excited to move forward. I want to thank any and all officials that have supported this. It's been a long time coming. And we know this is a step, but this is a major step. This is really a commitment to see this through. It's the beginning to see this through. And so I hope to uh, be able to stand here before you when this plan and this um, terminal is completed and we start to actually go across to uh, the other side and make it shorter for everybody. So with that, I want to thank all of you. Once the study is complete, the department will conduct a robust public engagement effort before making a decision about whether to move forward with a capital project. Public comment is available at any time on DOT's Charting the Course page.
Coming up next on News of the North, retired reporter Ed Schoenfeld came on the Capitol chat to talk about the next presentation in the original series, Death with Dessert. And Juno Police Department Deputy Chief David Campbell was the guest speaker at the Chamber of Commerce's weekly luncheon that took place yesterday. Stay tuned. You're listening to News of the North. I'm Jazz Garrett. Juno Police Department Deputy Chief David Campbell was a guest speaker at the Chamber of Commerce's weekly luncheon that took place yesterday. He has been with JPD for 28 years and the Deputy Chief for six years. He says the biggest priority for JPD is staffing. We are currently down 11 officers. I think that comes to somewhere in the low 20s, like maybe 21% officer vacancy factor. What that does is take consideration is one of our officers is at the academy. So that officer is not carrying part of the workload from the other officers. We have a couple officers that are on injury status that can't go out and work the field as well. Uh, And then just in projecting forward, we know that we have two people that have already told us that they have intent to retire. So that would drop that number from 11 up to 13. The last time they were fully staffed was either in 2008 or 2009. One thing we are not going to do is we are not going to lower our standards. If someone asks me what is the most important thing that, that the chief does, I would say hiring the right people. JPD is included in the city's approach to attracting and retaining more workers. The, the steps that we're taking to get more people in the door um, that I'm excited about is the signing bonuses. I think that is exciting. Um, it's going to be a tiered structure, uh, slightly higher if you're a lateral, slightly less if you're, if you're new. Um, but it's gonna, the way it's recommended now is slightly more than what the, the Troopers or Fairbanks is offering. Anchorage is not offering a sunny bonus at this point in time. We also have a retention bonus that uh, I don't think it's talked about enough, where when officers hit four-year increments, four, eight, 12, and 16, they uh, qualify for a $10,000 bonus. Another step JPD is taking is branding their police station apart from all the others. JPD recently graduated two cadets last month. Campbell says a cadet program is a great way to ensure they'll come back as officers five to ten years down the road. Officers that graduated the cadet program in 1990 are still with JPD today. Campbell adds, if you think someone has what it takes to be a police officer, encourage them to apply to JPD. Retired reporter Ed Schoenfield came onto Capitol Chat to talk about the presentation in the original series, Death with Dessert. The next presentation is CSI Historic Juno. Um, The next program we're doing, which is Saturday, April 1st, is called CSI Historic Juno. And we kind of took the model... Not, not in great detail, but the idea, you know, crime scene investigation. People watch these shows and you'll see, you know, a muffin database and just things that don't exist at all. And then you think about, well, what was that like? What, how did people solve crimes in the early 1900s? Schoenfeld also spoke on how fingerprinting got started. When were fingerprinting techniques known in the United States, which it turns out was, if my memory's right, 1904, uh, a guy from Scotland Yard who was an expert came over and trained people and ended up working with the federal government to uh, 
to fingerprint every inmate in Leavenworth Prison Federal Penitentiary in Kansas so they'd have you know, a primitive version of a database. I mean, they probably kept them on cards or pieces of paper, and they couldn't search them easily. But if one of those people was released and was suspected of a crime and there were fingerprints someplace, you know, they could, that, that would help them solve it. You can listen to the full Capital Chat on KINYradio.com. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. I'm Jazz Garrett for News of the North.